Hi, and welcome along to Early Excellence's Head to Head podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm Sarah Carey, School Improvement Lead here at Early Excellence, and in these podcasts, I'll be connecting with real head teachers and school leaders. We'll be discussing hot topics in primary and early years education and sharing some real experiences. So keep listening to hear more about school inspections and impactful school improvement strategies. Okay, so today I'm really pleased to welcome James Marshall and Sophie Wood from St Peter's C of E Primary Academy. It's lovely to see you both. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Want to hear from real schools about their real experiences and I know there's lots of appetite out there to, to share these sorts of messages so I'm sure our listeners will find it really useful. Um, so would you like to start by just telling us a little bit about yourselves and your role if that's okay? Yeah, um, so I've been head teacher here for just over six years. Um, when I arrived, it was a school that had, had uh, two RI inspections prior to me starting. And uh, as a result of that, we joined a multi-academy trust as a sponsored academy. And that's where uh, I, I suppose the uh, improvement journey began for me. Brilliant. Thank you. And Sophie? Hey, I'm Sophie and I am I was a key stage one teacher at the time of inspection and I'm foundation teacher this time and um my subject leadership capacity would be early reading and computing here at school. Fantastic. I know Sophie, part of the reason you're joining us today is because you were you were quite involved with the uh, lines of inquiry during the inspection, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It was definitely um a, a busy day for me when offset was in. <laughs> She led the inspection. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we dig into all of that, um, can you just give us slightly more around your your kind of school context? So you talked about where you were in terms of um, Ofsted gradings and converting to academy, but a little bit more about your your school context and your children. Yep. so we were um, a one and a half form entry school. So uh, we have the joys of uh, mixed age classes. And um, we're in an area situated on uh, an area of significant socioeconomic de- uh, deprivation. Um, but historically, the school has been quite polarised. Um, we have we are a Church of England school, so we do have lots of children uh, or families that choose to send their children to, to school for that Christian distinctiveness. Um, but that has dwindled quite significantly uh, over the last sort of probably six or seven years. So we're now in a position where uh, we've probably got about half of our children um, attracting people premium um, and lots of the other children come from homes with very low income and quite often quite cramped conditions as well. Um, And we've got about a third of the school population that are either vulnerable to SEND or on the SEND register itself. So it it poses a little bit of a challenge from a a teaching and learning perspective at times. Yeah, I'm sure some of our listeners' ears have picked up, pricked up in terms of hearing that context, but particularly around mixed age classes, we're certainly having lots of conversations with schools around um, the, the, the challenges that are faced when you're teaching mixed age classes. But actually, there's also some real positives, isn't there, in there um, to see as well. So uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of listeners interested to hear some of the things around that. And I know um, when I came to see you after after you'd had your inspection and after you'd, you'd had your report published, one of the first 
first things uh, you and your leadership team said to me was you were so pleased with the first line of the inspection report that that mentioned that what is it like to be a child in this school having just described that context actually I know you were really pleased weren't you around that that kind of phrasing that was shared for your children so do you want to share a bit about how pleased you were around what they found for your children yeah I mean I think I think for us it's it's almost that despite the local context of the school, actually, when you walk in, um, I think actually we had a visitor that came through, not an Ofsted inspector, but a, a visitor that came to, to have a look through. And they described it as a almost like an oasis that actually you sort of come in. And I suppose there's this preconceived idea about children that come from certain areas, especially, you know, sometimes sort of low economics or white British ch- uh, children. But actually... They're the most delightful children and, and, and it's a real privilege to, to work within the community as well. Yeah, great. Thank you. And I know you were really, really proud of that. So we're, we're here to kind of hear about your your inspection experiences. Um, so really, I'm going to kind of sit quietly for a little while and just and just listen, really, and kind of say over, over to you, really, I suppose, James, first to talk us through um, the things that you'd like to share about your experiences um, from kind of that initial phone call and how the days flowed and maybe those lines of inquiry that came up and any surprises, possibly. So over to you um yeah i mean i suppose from uh, my point of view it's um you get you get that initial moment where the office staff come and and say to you we've had the admin team from ofsted on the phone and you are due to be inspected and you you know expect that phone call you know fairly imminently from the lead inspector and you, you do have that moment of oh my goodness, I don't know anything. And you know, everything goes out of your head and, and is however prepared you feel or you've got yourself to that point. Um, but actually, I think, I think from our point of view, we were, we were ready and we were really looking forward to the inspection, which sounds a really daft thing to do. But, you know, like I said, I've been here six years and under a guise of, of expecting them at any point within those six years, you know, we, we just wanted it over and done with. We, you know, we, we were ready for that. And you hear all sorts of stories about inspection. But, you know, I think from the, the, the very outset, you know, it, from that initial call from the admin team, it becomes a whirlwind and it comes a blur, you know, for, for the next sort of three days of all sorts of things. So, um, so we, the first thing that I suppose from knowing that we're going to have a phone call, I went and and located our deputy um, and Senko and made sure that their classes were covered so that they could join me for the for, for that initial phone call because, you know, I think as prepared as you feel like you can be, you know that there's got to be lots of conversations around context, lots of conversations around the curriculum, and you want to be as as, as detailed as you, you know, as you were able to, I think, because that will tick off a lot of the, the that initial bump and, and, and information for the lead inspection to, to, to make sure that the, the school, you know, certainly come across as being prepared. So I think that, you know, any advice to anybody else would be try and just get a small team. And, and, and the lead inspector was brilliant and, you know, was, was quite happy for, um, all three of us to be on a sort of speaker and you know having the conversation although it was me droning on for, for, for long periods of time it you know that others could could you know hand me notes and, and and pipe up in the background and just say oh just remember to say this and just 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 add this in so that that was really useful and actually our um, um, school improvement director from the the trust joined for the end bit as well so um, Again, just sort of sat in the background, made sure that the lead inspector was was aware that that, that she sort of joined the room and 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 to come through, and she was excellent all the way through the inspection. Um, 
then yeah and I think I suppose to all other head teachers is just be prepared for the for the conversation I suppose in terms of um, what your curriculum's about because it was you know some housekeeping bits there was there's a few bits where discussions about what was on the website and we we'd had a few broken links that we hadn't realized that 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 then we could just be I heard the tapping in the background of my deputy just being fabulous of you know say right that's sorted that's done you know you can go back and, and get that now um so so things like that is was really useful I think for us just just to have things going on so they were aware and we were just it's something that we didn't have to worry about further down the line um but it was the length of the conversation as well that was that was you know you come off exhausted and actually the lead inspector was brilliant because they broke it down and was very keen to make sure that I was okay all the way through as well you know if it, if it was you know getting to the point where we just needed a you know a five minute break so actually the, the the initial 90 minute conversation that it says in the in the handbook essentially we broke it down into three sections um, and it actually probably totaled probably closer to two hours you know in terms of the, the phone call itself but we covered a long range and it and it felt like a conversation. It wasn't just a, I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. It was a, it was a conversation. What are you doing? How, you know, tell me about your curriculum. And it felt more probably, a, you know, for the lead inspector, a level of comfort and security. Does the head teacher know what's going on in their school? And I think that's, that's how it felt. You know, you know, when you, when you talk about the three eyes of intent, implementation and impact, you know, it was very much about the intent, what are you trying to achieve? You know, we can talk about the, the the statistical viewpoint and demographic of the school and everything else, but actually, you know, we had the opportunity to talk about how, where we were on the journey. And, and you know, and the, at the point that they came in, it's it's by no means complete, you know, so it was, it was this is where we are. We're going to be quite open about that, and, but we know where we are, you know, and, and, and this is what we wanted to try and do to, to, to move things forward. So I think, I suppose, from an inspection point of view, that first point was, was really a good gauge in terms of, you know, really setting out your stall about your curriculum. This is this is what we were trying to achieve here, and this is what we were trying to do. And 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 we were quite transparent on our website about with with some of the the, the sort of overview documents in in terms of making it there. We we, we didn't just give a, a a brief few sentences. We wanted to make sure that we you know inspectors could see as well as parents and and, and everybody else could actually see what the breadth of the curriculum should look like. And this is what we were trying to achieve. Obviously, all of your quality assurance work that you do on a you know, daily basis, weekly basis, half-termly basis may not realise that actually the implementation is there completely, but actually it's, it's about knowing it. It's about knowing what's going on in your school. And and like I say, it was it was a long conversation. It was a very intense conversation, um, but it was... I didn't feel that we couldn't answer anything that was that was that was sort of thrown at us, if you like. It was, it we felt like we we were knowledgeable about what was going on in our school and what we were doing and why we were doing it. And that's so important, isn't it? Because you you've you've really been clear in in saying actually this sets the scene for our school and it does give that that message to the inspector about what you do know about your school and what you are intending. And and if you've got those sorts of documents as well on the website, as you say, not not for inspectors, actually for promoting your school and, and sharing things with parents and sharing things with wider colleagues as well, it, it shows that depth of what you're offering. Um and that that first conversation is so important because of course that's what they're going to be using them to triangulate and have conversations with subject leads and what they're seeing when they're talking to children and seeing your curriculum in action they'll be tying it back to what you were saying there as, as a head teacher in terms of those things won't they 
Yeah, and and I'll, I'll sort of say that the, the sort of last part of, of of that conversation it was very much and uh, around the timetables, right? So so where are we going to plan in our deep dives? You know, what are we going to do? You know, uh, they were very clear that. I suppose they've um, spotted a little bit of gaming around. Yeah, we we don't talk, we don't teach these subjects on these days that you're going to be in. So I thought they, they they did make it clear, that, you know, as a team that they were going to they could use other form you know forms of evidence that you know that, yeah. that that they may say well we'll just look in books or we'll just talk to the children about DT or music or you know some of the the subject areas where. You, I suppose there's a worry that there may be less coverage or less breadth within those, those curriculum areas. So, that, so they were quite clear about that from the outset. But um, um, one of the interesting things when we emailed across the the, uh, the timetables was um, because of the project that we've been doing with, with Early Excellence, the timetables in Key Stage 1 probably didn't look as much like traditional timetables as, as they were used to. So there was... A bit of a sticking point at that point around well actually have you got the coverage have you got the you know the, the bits and pieces and there's a lots of discussion that we had to sort of park eventually around you just need to come and have a look you just need to think prioritize that come and have a look and and, and sort of we stuck to our guns a bit because you know time Sophie was doing such a good job of of you know driving this project in a slightly different way of, of, of you know you traditional teaching and learning elements of, of the wider curriculum subjects that we just said just just come and have a look you you will you'll like what you see you know we were confident in that so so there's those elements where you got to see we just said we just had to say this this could go on we're going around in circles here just come just come and have a look um and actually when they did come and have a look it wasn't even commented on, upon it was just you know it was it was one of those things that yeah, I can't get it quite straight in my head, but once they went in, all right, okay, you know, that's absolutely fine. The, you know, there, there was no preconceived ideas about traditional approaches to, to, to teaching and learning. It was, is this, you know, the kids are engaged, this, this is fine. And I think that's a really good message to hear in terms of schools are always on a development journey aren't they um it's never the to-do list is never done isn't it really and and it is and we'll come back to a little bit more i suppose later on in the in this about that development and how that was approached and how that was felt so it's good that you kind of alluded to that already but that there is no prescription of we want to see it like x y and z and that feels like it was certainly your experience but it also feels like through that initial conversation, you were getting a feel of what they might want of those possible lines of inquiry. Uh, you perhaps were getting a sense of where they might want to go with that. So again, that would help with your next layer of prep, I suppose, after you got off the telephone. <laughs> yes, um, and I think and I think running alongside that, I mean, Sophie will will, will talk about the, the 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 deep dives within themselves. Um, but when the, the the inspector got wind of the fact that. Um, you know, based on the timetables, there was lots of computing opportunities going on. There was obviously the the, the early reading that they were going to look at anyway. Um, the fact that it was the same leader, they were quite um, clear about the fact: is this going to be too much of a burden um, on this on this leader? And they were very concerned. I think that they were putting on one person for too much. So um, we we you know we convinced them that. Sophie would be absolutely one, you know, <laughs> loving the fact that she's going to be grilled for the whole of day one, pretty much. Um, but actually, that you know, 
we have a strength and conviction that actually, you know, Sophie is a, a, a more than capable leader to, to, to go through this and, 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 and has a level of strength as well, you know, to, to her ability to lead. So, um, you know, we, we had to actually have to convince the lead inspector that this was OK, that, that it's not going to burn her out on, you know, for the rest of the week or whatever else there. <laughs> And interesting, isn't it? Because again, we know from the um, inspection handbook that well-being and workload is a, is something that will be explored during inspection. And you you mentioned very early on actually that the inspector wanted to make sure that you were okay and was breaking up that that telephone conversation, and that clearly they're aware of that. So they're they're although they're not necessarily always openly having those conversations, it's something that they're certainly keeping an eye on. And, and it sounds for you like they were they were having those conversations. So. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to go over to Sophie now. Having said she was thrilled and really wanted to do it, I'm sure that probably wasn't her thought bubble at the time. But we are moving into deep dive territory. And, and Sophie, you were clearly fully involved in, in both the reading element and the computing element of that. So do you want to just talk us through your experiences of how it went and the sorts of conversations and, and how it felt in terms of a, a, a process together, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think when we kind of had that initial phone call and, you know, um, James came round and said, um, <laughs> looks like it's going to be computing and um, early reading for you. So it will be a busy day. I think there was, you know, there's always part of you that is super nervous and you just want to do a job, good job, don't you? But equally, I think as a team and as support from the academy and support from early excellence i felt prepared and i felt like i'd worked for a really long time on my subjects and i wanted people to look at it and i wanted people to know what we were doing in school i think as teachers we do a lot of work behind the scenes you know making sure that the children have got going for good progress and good outcomes and we know our curriculum inside out and i think for lots of us, we've worked really hard and we do want to showcase these things to people who are coming in. And I think that was my initial reaction was like, yeah, bring it on. Come and have a look at what we're doing. Um, come and see, you know, the hard work that we've all put into it. Um, once I had my kind of timetable through, it, I knew I knew when things were coming in the day. So that kind of helped me to get prepped up. So I knew that I had my reading element first and then I was doing computing afterwards. So that allowed me to get all my resources and things together. And one of the things that I think was a strength in school was that we had our folders set up. So every single curriculum leader had, um, I had my action plan. We had those um, quality assurance documents going on. We had, um, evidence from the different subject strands within my subject so I had all of those resources ready to go so I knew that when the inspector came in and they asked me the questions like how do you show progression in programming I knew that actually I already had all of those documents ready to go so even if I was talking to the inspector and I felt nervous or I was getting tongue-tied which you so often do I knew that I had those documents and for me as a practitioner that was one of the most helpful things so I was quite literally throwing documentation at the Ofsted inspector he was going slow down Sophie slow down I've got too much and I was going no you need to see this you need to see this um and that was something that was really helpful and I think for a lot of the staff they felt the same way so yeah so I think um 
sorry yeah um so yeah so i suppose in terms of the preparation for inspection and this isn't about inspection this is this is about making sure that your curriculum is right and there's ongoing work for your children to make sure that what we're trying to do from an intent point of view is actually happening as we want to do it um so you, you know Sophie's right we did a lot of preparation around the curriculum because we were doing lots of work around the curriculum anyway so subject leaders we were having regular conversations around um you know you know what does progression look like in your subject area what are you trying to achieve how are we going to implement how are we going to measure impact um and and really trying to encourage which we are you know still doing post Ofsted encouraging subject leaders to spend you know not vast amounts of time but little and often just going and just having 20 minutes just 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 speak to some children about what does computing look like in year five six what does it look like in early years just spending time actually trying to go through and 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 work it through and it shouldn't be a big job and, and an onerous job in terms of you know quality assuring the the, the curriculum you know it's all about the, the focus on trying to make sure it's as good as we can make it. You know, like I said, the demographic of our, you know, of our community here, you know, the children deserve the best, you know, so, so let's try and make sure it is the, as better, you know, as good as we can. I think, I think you raised some good points there in terms of it's not about offset. This is about your curriculum and the quality of your education that you want to get right for your children. And actually, that's why, you know, that's why we're in our job, isn't it? We want to make a difference for the children. And by being really clear in our understanding of our curriculum and our intent and and our pedagogy in terms of how we're approaching that is really clear. And I think going through that process well as part of that school development journey actually then does it does upskill the staff doesn't it really in their confidence in their understanding in their articulation of that which of course will support during instances such as inspection um, and I think also I want to just touch on what you mentioned about talking to the children because again seeing your curriculum in action it isn't just about looking at books and looking at displays it is about engaging with those children so um, children being used to having conversations with subject leads, not just the head teacher, for example, or not just somebody who comes and visits from the trust, not just, for example, me when I've come in and done reviews. Actually, it's having those conversations. So almost the children are at ease and engaging with those as well, because then they can showcase, because they're the prime example, aren't they, of showcasing what they know, what they've learned, what they've remembered, what they've experienced and how they engage with that. And like you say, little and often for both the adults, but also the children actually is a good ray into kind of supporting that. And I just want to go back to you, Sophie, saying obviously you've got that paperwork and that documentation. And I know when we've um, worked with Ofsted previously, inspectors have said, for us it's about those high quality conversations so i'm assuming that those documents helped you to do that did the inspector want to see them or was it that you were kind of placing them under the nose and, and making him look <laughs> it was it was interesting because it it becomes a kind of a two-way thing because it I was saying to the offset inspector, you know, these are the expectations for children running through. This is the document that I give to staff so that they can see those progression steps. I'm saying that, you know, I want this delivered at this point. 
you know, these are the curriculum overviews. This is where I can show that this is happening. So it was almost like I'd set my implementation, I'd explained it. And then what I was doing is providing the offset inspector with, this is how I know, this is the curriculum that my children are following. This is how I know. And I think especially when we were moving towards continuous provision in key stage one, you know, they want to know, how do you know what's going on in your classroom? And it was maybe a bigger question than it would have been if we had an hour slot for IT every day. I could then go, well, actually, this is what we're covering. This is where it's been covered in the school year. And this is the work that I've got to show where it was. So there was then no question mark that there was learning happening. So even though you walked into the classroom and maybe things looked more flexible and things were you know, not set up in a traditional manner, you could see that actually the way we were plotting our objectives was thorough, the progression was there. And I think having those things in front of you I think when you're on your own and you haven't got anything to bag yourself up, I think there's that moment of you feel like an island. <laughs> and uh, for me, as a professional, I like having those documents. I, I think other people might work in a different way, but I like having a bit of evidence and having something to say, this is how I'm tracking it. This is the work I've put in. Yeah, and I, and I, think, it's, I think it's those elements of... of again you know and, and and we work one way you know and, and and schools will all work in slightly different ways multi-academy trusts now will, will work in different ways in terms of, of of how they they develop things you know moving forward especially with with quality assurance because ultimately i think what's really got us through the the inspection was there was a, a clear level of rigor you know right the way through the the, the deep dives of what subject leaders know it's not just the head teacher just banging on about things all the time and whatever else it's everybody who was using the same language was using the same you know ideas that you know we, we talk a lot about the context so we knew from the framework disadvantaged and send was going to come up you know it, it, it sort of it talks a lot about including these these particular groups so we knew that that was coming up but it, it's also mirrored within our community as well that actually these groups are significant groups within you know within our um, within our um, school community. So actually, from uh, from a perspective of a subject leader, I knew that all my subject leaders had to be well versed in being able to work for this because these are significant groups. You know, yes, Ofsted will probably ask about them as well. However, these are significant groups within our within our school. So from our perspective and from a leadership perspective I needed to be sure that if I'm handing over a lot of the the leadership responsibility to subject leaders in a way that we've never really operated as a school like this before actually you know we I need to make sure that the subject leaders are prepared for that I think very wise certainly I mean we are looking through inspections and we're, you know we work with lots of schools who contact us after they've had an inspection and say here's our report have a look and, and curriculum we know from the handbook um, is is going to be a key part of that and we also know it's an area that they, they do follow as a line of inquiry in terms of how are you making it as easy as possible for these children to learn how are you approaching that and how effective is that and it's right that, that it's very clear that subject leaders need to understand that through the school 
people from the point where the children start with you, be that two-year-old provision, nursery or reception, through to year six. And I think from what you were just saying, Sophie, as well, it sounds like you were able to demonstrate your knowledge, but also how you are supporting your colleagues in delivering that um, and looking at that progression, those skills, and actually the quality assurance that you're undertaking. And what I really took from what you were saying is how you engaged with the inspector in that dialogue. It didn't happen to you. Actually, you were proactive and you engaged and you demonstrated. Uh, it sounds like with a passion, actually, um, this is what we're doing and, and this is this is why we're doing it and look what it's doing for our children. And rightly so, James, it's, it's whilst we are always advised to know the inspection handbook well, and those groups of children are noted within it, it still comes back to your children and that they're important. So I think that's really, really useful. Lots of key things in there I think we've covered. So I'm going to just move on to, I do know because actually you're a school that we've, we've worked with doing projects that you were about 12 weeks into a, a key stage project, key stage one project where you had gone um, through overhauling your continuous, your provision really from having tables and chairs to more continuous provision um, and really overhauled your routines, your environment, um, how you were presenting learning to the children, how you were presenting and documenting learning. Um, so I would imagine it would be fair to say when you got the call that there was possibly a little bit of eek we're not quite this isn't embedded yet would it be fair to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think so yeah it, it's um i'm glad they arrived when they did um if, they, if they'd arrived two weeks into the project it could have been more of an eek than a than you know anything else um but I think certainly what the, the project also did for us, there was lots of opportunity for um, being able to talk about intent, vision, uh, what are we trying to achieve? So what Early Excellence did for us in, in spades was was prepare leaders, you know, from classroom leaders right up, you know, up to, to senior leaders like myself to say, this is the context of a school. This is what we believe in as a school. And this is what we are trying to achieve. And and like I say, it came up more as a project with you know with the inspection team very much as part of the initial conversation because the timetable looked different. So 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 that was that was the point of trying to understand why the key stage one timetable looked more similar to the foundation stage or early years um, timetable. So. Um, there was there was some level of confusion from the inspection team. Are, am I interpreting this correctly? Um, but once they're actually in the building and looking at learning, the the difference was well, it it wasn't a problem mm -hmm. because actually we've got lots of children that are engaging with the learning in a way that they maybe they weren't expecting. So. So it, 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 I don't think it even came up in conversation, certainly not with myself, it might have done with Sophie. No, it didn't really. I, they were more interested in, can I show progress? Can we show where the, the, you know, the breadth of the curriculum was? They were more interested in that. And I think what had come from the project is when you walked into the Key Stage 1 classroom, it was obvious that there was learning going on. You know, you couldn't walk into that classroom and say there wasn't anything going on. The topic board was overflowing. All of the children were engaged and doing something. Um, and we I think it was a we had quite a good culture of being able to talk about why we were doing the things we were doing. I think 
the day before we were inspected, we had our we had a visit booked with our it was the last day, wasn't it? It was the last visit. It was, yeah. So she was coming in anyway, and we we literally just grabbed her, pulled her in, and just for the right, let's talk you through why we're doing what we're doing one more time. Let's get it clear in our head. And what we did have was the confidence to say, well, actually, you know, there is a small world there because we're currently learning about this. These are all the amazing things that the children do can do in that area to showcase their learning. You know, this writing area, this is what the children are doing at the minute in the writing area to showcase their learning. And I think we, we were quite well practiced at that point in having those conversations with a wide range of people because we were so early in the project that actually we'd had quite a few visitors like the week before I'd showed the governors around my classroom the week before that I'd showed somebody from the academy around so we had kind of a culture of let's let's show what we're doing because we were excited we knew that continuous provision was the way forward with our children we knew that they needed a curriculum that was a bit more self-directed a curriculum that allowed them the independence and the flexibility to show their learning and we believed in what we were doing and I think that was super important for us when Offset walked in because we knew as practitioners that we were doing the best for our kids and when you have that security I think you can you you can make it you can, you're passionate enough to make it work right absolutely and I, th- and I think it's all of those things that you know sophie talks very passionately about to make sure that 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 we're getting those, those through and i think from a from a leadership team as well it, i suppose it's 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 having the confidence in your staff to make the right decisions and you need to give them a bit of space you know and i mean i think i said at the beginning of the project that early years I came from a, a junior school setting previous to, to, to coming here so then having the full range of, of children my understanding of early years practice and you know key stage one practice probably wasn't as polished as it probably could have been so actually I you know leading by example I needed to make sure that I was a part of the project as well because how can I possibly you know have a curriculum in place at whatever point that I don't fully understand and I think it's that understanding right the way through that if I need to self-evaluate my school, I need to understand what's going on and, and I need to be able to critique it effectively. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There is that expectation that heads can talk about their school from EYFS through to year six in in kind of balanced amounts of detail, if that makes sense. And I think what's come through from, from that part of the conversation we've just had is there is a real clear vision ethos and a culture Um, and it's a big step you knew where you were in your window but it was a big step to say actually what we're currently doing for our children isn't working we're going to explore this and and whilst you know I'm thrilled for you that the inspectors kind of took it in their stride when they saw it because it spoke volumes for itself but more than anything I'm thrilled that it's working for the children because that's that's why you took that step and it has really made a significant impact for them and for you Sophie clearly you've you've worked hard to um to kind of get that passion get that understanding and whilst yes you've you've kind of said you know it was great to have early excellence in this is about you and it wouldn't have been as effective as a team you hadn't got that cohesive feel and that 
shared understanding and that shared drive to get it right for the children and everybody being on board with that development and then actually the school leaders um, and the trust behind it actually giving you the the green light to go ahead so I think actually it's credit to you guys really for, for taking that big brave step and and actually it's really really good to see those outcomes for the children. And so just before we finish, I just want to ask, have you got any other top tips that you'd like to share or a kind of a, a, a one or one sentence sum up of what the experience was like for you? Um, I think I think certainly from a head teacher perspective, it's not like other experiences with Ofsted because a lot is handed over to other leaders in school. Um, I think historically it's been you know, a conversation with head teacher and a walk around with head teacher and let the inspectors go and go go and draw a judgment. Whereas, you know, it is very much spread across and there will be periods of time with head teachers that are pacing because they feel like a loose end. You know, that there are points where, you know, however many inspectors that you have within your school, you know, they'll be tied up with, with deep diving and going through lots of different things with, with different people. So so there are points where you have to sit on your hands and try not to. Um, things, and, and think about where you're placing yourself because you don't want to raise the anxiety of other members of staff by then walking around other classrooms and putting other people into a level of pressure as well. So I think it's 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 better, you know worth bearing in mind there will be periods of time where head teachers don't have anything to do and what you're going to do with yourself because quite often head teacher's office is, is full of inspectors. So, you know, it's, it's you know, go and sit in your car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, just 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 do something and, and think about the, you know, what you think is, is helpful to other members of staff and may not always be helpful to other members of staff. So it, it may be worth having that consideration beforehand. But I think as a as an experience, I've got to be honest, you know, and, and it... I've got to put a level of um, thanks, I suppose, to the inspectors themselves because they were very open-minded. They were very compassionate. They were sympathetic to the challenges within the within the the, the context of the school. Um, you know, they they recognised what we were doing and they were very willing to listen. So, you know, I dare say not every inspection team or every school will, will receive that. But I think what they what they could see was we were trying our very best to meet the needs of the children that attend here. So, you know, I, I can only be thankful for that. Thank you. Um, Sophie, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I would say have lots of conversations just in general talk about your subjects, talk about the reasons why you teach and the way you do, whatever way that is talk about progression in school and keep having lots of professional conversations because I know when Ofsted came I felt really prepared to have lots of conversations with people I felt like I knew the answers and that was a big help and I would also say make sure there's lots of little snacks in the staff room because everybody feels sick all day and you just need something to nibble on and coffee and those kind of things I think look after your team <laughs> I think we did that quite well <laughs> thank you I think all I think all of those, those kind of just those final few reflections from both of you are actually really really thoughtful actually as you say in terms of thinking about what might be happening those lulls in the day because you you the adrenaline is pumping the whole time isn't it and 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 again 
again, Sophie, you've alluded to it once again. It's it's about those professional conversations and doing things um, for your children. But actually, by going through that process, it does mean that you feel more well placed for having other professional conversations with other things. So, yeah, really useful. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and I know that you're continuing with your exciting journey, looking at inquiry based learning and, and maybe kind of tentatively looking at continuous provision into key stage two. So I wish you lots of good luck with those developments and we really look forward to hearing how it goes so thanks very much thank you thank you Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you found it a valuable listen and that you've taken some things away to reflect on or maybe things that you want to discuss with your colleagues. Of course, remember, if you want to talk about any of the issues that we've explored today or you need support with other matters in your school, then do feel free to drop me an email, sarah at earlyexcellence.com or why not get connected with me on LinkedIn or Twitter? Anyway, take care and join me next time for some more genuine head-to-head conversation.